If you're listening in or around the Los Angeles area, the Friends of Israel will be at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village on Saturday, October 7th for our regional Prophecy Up Close conference. You'll hear from our Executive Director, Dr. Jim Showers, and our North American Ministries Director, Steve Herzig. That's Saturday, October 7th. Be sure to pre-register. Go to foiradio.org to learn more. Welcome to the Friends of Israel Today. I'm Steve Conover. You just heard from our host and teacher, Chris Katolka. If you're a believer in the Messiah, did you know that Jesus prayed specifically for you when he was here on earth? Using John 17 as his text today, Chris will share his insights into the high priestly prayer of Jesus. When I was preparing for this study, I was taken back by how Jesus, our Savior, was thinking specifically about you and me when he went to the cross. And it's amazing to think that Christ, just before his death, had us on his mind, interceding on our behalf before the Father. More about that later, but first, the news. Earlier this month, the Israeli army staged its largest wartime exercise in nearly 20 years. The drill, which is called the Light of the Grain, took place in northern Israel where Lebanon and Syria border the Jewish state. You know, Israel is smart to prepare itself for a large-scale war now. In recent years, Hezbollah, an Iranian-backed terror group in Lebanon, has amassed more than 100,000 rockets, while Iran itself has made its presence known in war-torn Syria. Be sure to keep Israel in your prayers as the leadership prepares for what could potentially be a serious war in the near future. I want to share with you a funny story about when I was younger and I had just received my driver's license. It was the summertime and I was about 17 or so. And I was new to driving and I was coming home from the Jersey Shore, driving in an area that I was unfamiliar with. And I wasn't paying attention and I ran, I ran a stop sign. It was my first traffic violation. And so, you know, after you get pulled over and you get your ticket, you always pay a little more attention to the road. You, you mind your uh, P's and Q's of driving a little more after you get a traffic violation. And, and I was driving home and I noticed in my rearview mirror sirens that were going off again. And my stomach sank. So I started to pull over and as I moved to the side of the road, the police officer zipped right past me. He drove right by. And, and as he was driving by, I was smiling from ear to ear because I thought for sure that I was getting pulled over again. A few moments later, that same police officer, and I'm not kidding with you, the same police officer came back and he pulled me over and he gave me a ticket for obstructing an emergency vehicle. And he pointed out that he wasn't thrilled about the fact that he saw me smiling as he drove by and that I was happy when he, when, when he drove by. I was trying to tell him, officer, I had already received a ticket earlier. I was smiling because I thought you were pulling me over. And when I realized you weren't, I was happy. I was excited. Well, he didn't care much for my story. And, and he gave me the ticket anyway. That's right, my friends. You are listening to somebody who got two traffic violations in one day. My neighbor at that time, though, 
was a high-ranking police officer nearby. And when they heard about my ticket, they offered uh, a little assistance. They offered to come and to speak on my behalf at court to appeal the ticket. Bear in mind, I was 17 years old. I didn't know any of the legal language they were speaking, but my neighbor stood next to me in her uniform, spoke on my behalf, interceded for me, and the judge forgave the ticket. That life story that I have is always with me, and it sticks out as a visual reminder of Jesus the Messiah interceding on my behalf before the Father. And that's what John 17 is all about. Jesus praying for you. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you? He was thinking about you, interceding for you just before he goes to the cross. He says this in John chapter 17. That's where we're going to read about Jesus in the high priestly prayer. In John 17 verse 1, he says this, Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. This is Jesus' mission, my friends, that that to glorify the Father. And Jesus, again, knows his work on earth is complete. He, He knows this because he communicated to the disciples all that the Father wanted him to. He shared with them the message of eternal life given to him by God the Father. And Jesus even says this in John 17, verse 3. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. This definition of eternal life really takes us out of the cliche way of thinking about it, which is that through Christ we live forever. And what, is it, what it does is it gives us a quality to eternal life that is so much more valuable, that eternal life isn't just living forever, but it's having a relationship with the God of heaven and earth forever. And Jesus says in verses 4 and 5, I glorified you on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me at your side with the glory I had with you before the world was created. Remember, John 17 is called the high priestly prayer. And in the Old Testament, a high priest was required to focus on himself first so that, when, so that then he could minister to the nation of Israel. The, the high priest would have had to atone for his sins and get his life right before God before he could ever offer a sacrifice to the, for the people of Israel. Now, I'm struck by the fact that Jesus, our high priest, he never had to offer a sin offering for himself because he is perfect. He's the unblemished lamb. But think about this. In this prayer, this high priestly prayer, Jesus isn't going and speaking about his people first. He is actually, what, thinking about himself. He's saying, Lord, Father, glorify me so that you may be glorified through what's about to happen to me on the cross and in my resurrection. The mission of Jesus, our high priest, is to glorify God in his life. His ministry, his sacrifice, his resurrection, and his ascension, all that Christ did was designed to glorify God. And after Jesus prays for himself and his relationship with the Father, 
His prayer in John 17 turns toward his disciples. The mission of Jesus, which was to glorify God and to share the message of eternal life, how one can come to know the God of heaven and earth, can only continue through the ministry of the disciples whom Jesus ministered to. Jesus says in his prayer in John 17, verse 6, I have revealed your name to the men you gave me out of the world. That's the disciples. They belong to you, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Jesus' deepest desire and concern for his disciples is that the influence of the world wouldn't cause the disciples to stray from their calling. And so he says to God in his prayer, I'm praying on behalf of them, the disciples. Jesus is praying and interceding on their behalf. And he says this in his prayer, Holy Father, keep them safe in your name that you have given to me so that they may be one just as we are one. When I was with them, I kept them safe and watched over them in your name that you have given me. Keep them safe. Protect them, Father, is Jesus' desire. He knows he won't be physically present anymore. Jesus won't be physically present anymore to watch over them and to minister to them regularly. But he prays for their safety and their unity. Life for the disciples will not be easy. They will be mocked, shamed, beaten, and even martyred for claiming the name of Jesus. But in the midst of being hated by the world, Jesus prays that God would give them his joy. Jesus in his high priestly prayer, this farewell prayer, is launching his disciples. He's launching them. He's launching them into the world so that they may glorify God as they share about eternal life in Christ Jesus. And think about it. It's through the blood, sweat, and tears of the disciples that the church started to grow. But Jesus didn't stop there. When we return, I want to show you how Jesus was praying for you and me in this high priestly prayer. He had you and me in mind before he went to the cross. Did you know that out of almost 900 verses in the Gospel of John, over 650 are directly related to the Feast of Israel? I believe that this is an aspect of the book of John that is often overlooked. You might wonder why this is significant, but as Chris has been talking about, Jesus was without sin. He had certain credentials to be qualified as our great high priest. In Elwood McQuaid's beloved book, The Outpouring, Jesus in the Feasts of Israel, John's gospel comes alive as you discover the magnificent relationship between the Feast of Israel and the Lord Jesus. After reading The Outpouring, you'll never look at John's gospel the same. To purchase your copy of The Outpouring, go to foiradio.org. That's foiradio.org.
We've been looking into John 17, what is commonly known as the high priestly prayer. And now it isn't priestly for any other reason than the fact that Jesus prays and intercedes on behalf of his disciples and you. Jesus prays for you. As we saw earlier, Jesus prays for his disciples, but Jesus knows the job of a disciple is to multiply. The reason Jesus is sending his disciples out into the world is to make more disciples. And you're a part of that story. You're a part of that tradition. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ today, thanks to the heritage of disciples before you out sharing the message of eternal life. You know, that might be your parents. It might be a friend. It could be grandparents. All of them fall within the line of that heritage that the disciples leave behind as they continue to share the gospel. It's been passed down year after year, century after century. You are a disciple of Jesus Christ today, thanks to the heritage of disciples before you out sharing the message of eternal life. That is, if you remember in our previous segment, when Jesus explains eternal life perfectly, that is having a personal relationship with God the Father through Jesus the Messiah. And Jesus thought about you in his final moments. He had you in mind after he finished praying for his then 11 disciples. He pivots and says in John 17, 20 to 23, I am not praying only on their behalf, and he's talking about the disciples there, he continues, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony. That's you. You are a part of that heritage, remember? The disciples sharing their testimony. And like his disciples, Jesus knew that we are being sent out into the world, a world that looks down on those who carry God's word in their heart. So Jesus prays for our protection, that God the Father would watch over us as we continue to share the good news of the gospel in the world. When Jesus prays for our protection and safety, he's alluding to something. He's alluding to your value. Think about it. You protect things of value. I'm always reminding my kids to pick up their bikes and their scooters from the front yard and to put them in the shed so that they don't get stolen. I know how much they value those bikes, and you don't want to leave them out for someone to steal. And in the same way, Jesus is praying for your protection and your safety because you are carrying within you the most valuable message of all, the message of hope in Jesus the Messiah. In praying for your protection and safety, he's also praying God would protect and watch over you spiritually, that Satan and this world wouldn't swoop in and deceive you, but that you would be protected spiritually from the evil one. So first, Jesus prays for your safety, protection, and keeping. But you can't do that alone. You can't go out into the world alone. So Jesus also prays, think about this, he prays for our unity as believers. Again, Jesus says, I am not praying only on their behalf, but also on behalf of those who believe in me through their testimony that they will all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. 
Jesus uses the unique loving relationship that exists between God the Father and God the Son as an example of the oneness believers would have with each other. It's through this oneness and love for one another that the world would see in the church the love, compassion, and mercy of the Father that the Father has for them through Jesus Christ. When you put the pieces together, Jesus' prayer for you is that you would realize that within the protection God provides and the unity that we have with other believers, we can have the joy of Christ in a world that despises our message. And with this goal in mind for us to glorify God and to continue to make more disciples. It's hard to ever consider having joy when you're surrounded by animosity. But Jesus' prayer for us to God is that we would realize the joy he gives us today when we take hold of that protection he prays over us and the unity that he desires for us to have. Listen, my friends, the gospel is never shared, spread, communicated, prayed, or accepted in isolation. Jesus' high priestly prayer over us is that we would have a sense of the protection that God puts over us, that we would work together, ultimately what? To glorify his name. Israel, on the verge of becoming a state, a teenage Holocaust survivor arrives on her shores alone. His name is Svi Kalisher. Little did he know his search for a new life in the Holy Land would lead him to the Messiah. Svi enthusiastic to share his faith, engaged others in spiritual conversations, many of which can be found in our magazine, Israel, My Glory. While Sfi is now in the presence of his Savior, his collected writings from well over 50 years of ministry continue to encourage believers worldwide. Now, Apples of Gold, a dramatic reading from the life of Sfi. This week, My three older children, Ruth, Mano, and Victor, told me that they were going to a hospital for old people and play their instruments for them. I had some free time that evening, so I accompanied them. I remembered the man who was in charge of the hospital as I had a long discussion with him about a year ago. And so it was that I went with my children to this old folks' home. The first song my children played was from Psalm 121, Verses 5 through 8, which starts with the words, The Lord is thy keeper. And then they played from Isaiah 60, verse 1, Arise, shine, for thy light is come. The old people were very happy and sang along with the children. You see, every Jew knows these songs. The sad thing is that they do not know the one of whom the songs speak. I was very surprised to see signs on the walls written in large letters stating, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. A year before, when I spoke with the doctor in charge of the hospital, he said, Jews who believe in Jesus are not welcome in Israel. What had happened? When my children finished, the doctor approached them and congratulated them on their fine playing. He asked them to come and play again and said, that he would be happy to meet with her father. But when I came up to him, he seemed to be afraid. He said, I know you. 
but I cannot remember from where. I said, yes, I remember you very well. We were together in the army for a short time last year. He then remembered me and the long discussion we had. I pointed to the signs and asked what had caused the apparent shift in his attitude. He said, things have changed. We are living in different times. He then asked, are you the same? I replied, yes, I am the same believer. I am happy that the Lord is my Savior and that I can open my heart to Him in every situation. I believe you, he said. If that is so, I asked, why don't you open your heart to the Lord? Now you are a doctor, but there will come a time when you must give back to the Lord what He has given to you. The body is nothing. But how is it with your soul? If you do not put your trust in the Lord, you will be lost forever. We are here talking now, but in an hour we both could be dead. Believe in the Lord now. He said, In this hospital I am the boss. I am a big man. But after what you have said to me, I can see that if I were to die now, I would be lost. I then gave him a Bible and said, Read this and pray. Then, if you ask him, God will come into your heart. He went on, I'm a very rich man, but I have no peace with myself. Oh, I'm much richer than you, I told him, because I have the Lord in my heart, and he gives me peace. You too can have this peace, but it's only available through his mercy. He thanked me for the Bible and made me promise that my children would return. He said, you are all welcome. Thanks for being with us today, again, for a deeper yet very readable study on the Gospel of John. Be sure to purchase your copy of The Outpouring by Elwood McQuaid at foiradio.org. Chris, final thoughts as we close today. Yeah, I just want to encourage our listeners to think about the fact that Jesus prayed for you. And I really hope that that is something that you take away from today's program. Also, I want to remind our listeners, if you're in the Los Angeles area, to to be sure to go to our Friends of Israel Prophecy Up Close conference at Calvary Community Church in Westlake Village on Saturday, October 7th. Be sure to go to foiradio.org to find out more information. Our host and teacher is Chris Katolka. Today's program was produced by Tom Gallion, co-written by Sarah Fern, 
Mike Kellogg read Apples of Gold. Our theme music was composed and performed by Jeremy Strong. I'm Steve Conover, executive producer. The Friends of Israel Today is a production of the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry. We are a worldwide Christian ministry communicating biblical truth about Israel and the Messiah while fostering solidarity with the Jewish people.